Welcome to Todcast by the Oslo Desk. The Oslo Desk Todd brings diverse perspectives to the table and creates practical content to help people of all backgrounds in Norway to live out their greatest potential. I am your host Helena Tim, and throughout the fourth season, leading together, I will meet people that research and practice a compassionate sense of leadership that focuses on the whole team rather than a single leader. The guest of today's episode is Christy Lorgan. Not only is she leading the corporate intelligence unit of KPMG in Norway, but she has over 20 years of experience in her field. After earning her bachelor's degree in anthropology from Harvard University and a master's and PhD in sociology from Oxford University, she worked and lived in the UK before coming to Norway. I wanted to ask you, Christy, if you could um, introduce what you do, basically, and especially what the corporate intelligence unit is that you are working for. Helena, thank you so much. And it is such a pleasure to join you on this podcast today. Thank you for having me. Um, very briefly, because I know we're not here to talk about the content of what I do, but uh, the corporate intelligence practice at KPMG, which I lead, is part of risk consulting at the firm. And we advise our clients, both private and public sector clients on integrity, reputational, and political risks associated with third parties with whom they are considering a business relationship, considering supporting through a grant, whatever the relationship may be. Examples of those risks could be corruption, uh, fraud, sanctions, involvement in complicated litigation, conflict of interest. Uh, it's anything that our clients need to know to be able to make informed decisions and to mitigate those risks. We do this through very sort of intense and complicated research and analysis, both public records research um, and discrete interviews with well-informed human sources. And we do this work all over the world. Um, I'll leave it there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was I was thinking when I was like reading about your work and thinking about this podcast, I was thinking how oftentimes in leadership or at least in leadership research, there's a focus on certain qualities or values such as trust. And uh, I definitely see that in your work um, that you are there to provide trust to your clients, right? Security. How do you do that? And maybe also on a really personal human level, like how do you give somebody that, that feeling of trust, of security that they can continue with what they are doing? So it's such a great question. And I actually think trust is absolutely at the heart of what we do because our clients are making important decisions based on our findings. So I think there, I would say there are sort of two prongs of trust with our clients. One is the quality of the work that we do and just being very committed to that work being high quality. But the other one is honesty. So for example, saying, you know what, we cannot find out what's going on with this litigation because in this jurisdiction, it is not publicly available. Or I only have two sources who said this. I haven't been able to corroborate it. Therefore, I cannot be absolutely sure that this is something that's happening with the company we're looking at and being very direct. And then a client knowing that. So, so never pretending that the report in the end is saying more than it's saying, being absolutely transparent with how we've done this, how reliable the sources are. Um, I also think, you know, the saying that a novelist is only as good as his or her last novel. I feel a little bit that's way with our reports that we're only as good as our last report. We have to keep the quality high and we have to keep our honesty about what we've been able to accomplish high with our clients. Yeah. And is there like, do you think... Um 
this is also kind of reflected in your own leadership style of um, how you approach leadership within your team at KPMG? Okay, that is a great question too, because I think yes, and that's a, so the quality thing, of course, I was speaking more about the quality of the reports we do, but also in terms of sort of honesty and transparency with each other, absolutely, knowing that you can, that I think my team knows that they can trust me to be straight with them. Uh, and then that's the fact that I am trusted by the team makes everyone sort of willing to go the extra mile and stick together um, as a team. And, and I think the sort of cohesion Uh, and supporting each other is such an important part of team culture and trust is a huge part of that. I'm thinking because you're working in a really international and therefore also mm. probably diverse uh, team. You told me about a German colleague, for example, yeah. since I'm from Germany. And uh, I was thinking, um, is there maybe also sometimes a different understanding of, let's say, how you bring things across of like trust and honesty, how straightforward you can be with people. <laughs> so I love that you have this cultural approach to leadership because I think it's so important and I'm very conscious. So we're sitting here January 2021. I'm American and I'm leading this team in Norway. And the joke is, you know, you can take the woman out of America, but you can't take the America out of the woman. I have an American <laughs> style. And part of that is being very open, very warm. I'm quick to praise. I do think sometimes my European, I have a German man, a French woman, I have a Russian woman on my team, I have a Norwegian-Iranian woman. I think sometimes there initially was, can she really mean that? And I am so genuine. I mean every word I say, but I'm generous with my praise. It's a little bit of an American style. If I think someone's done something well, yeah. I will say it. And so that, it takes some adjustment. Um, absolutely. I think I'm also very open. I think Americans also tend to be polite. So I will say, um, I might say, I really think you need to work through this again, or I'm not quite sure this is what we're looking for when someone from a more direct <laughs> communications culture might have said, this is terrible. <laughs> um, and yeah. we would have meant the same thing. Um, so I think part of the sort of success of my team is being willing to accept that we do come from different backgrounds. And to be honest, it's a source often of humor for us, which I think is great. Um, we're willing to sort of tease each other about the different cultural styles that we all come from. And I see it as a real strength of our team, but it definitely can be a challenge sometimes um, in terms of just understanding what someone means. Yeah, how many are you in the team? Just to kind we of we are a team of five. Uh, we were six, but one colleague, uh, for personal reasons, moved to Sweden in the summer. We miss her very much, and so right now we're five. It's a small and tight knit team. I would say also, though, just to note that I'm also the regional leader for corporate intelligence for KPMG for Europe, Middle East, and Africa. So I'm leading that network, and that is then you know hundreds of people, uh, not who have a sort of direct the KPMG offices are all separate legal entities, but the sort of, um, I think the, the sort of force of personality required to make that network function is another aspect of leadership that I bring to this role. Hmm. And do you feel there's a different leadership style needed from this smaller team uh, compared to, let's say, the, being the regional leader in that aspect? I think that is a different, a different thing. And also because the regional thing is we are trying very hard to do sort of joint projects together and joint methodology and joint training and communicating about thought leadership. But it's a coalition of the willing. <laughs> it's not, uh, I'm at the end of the day in the team here, I am in charge. 
large. And although I believe in a very flat and democratic leadership style, ultimately the responsibility lies with me. The regional role is much more bringing people in, encouraging, uh, trying to facilitate a platform for communication and networking. But no one has to yeah. function on a regional level. There's no com- there's no way to compel anyone to. Um, so it's much more a role of encouragement. And it's funny during COVID times, because of course, it's been a sort of virtual role for all these years. Yeah. But now in some ways, that's how so much is working that I realized that it's very good to realize that you can lead even if you're not sitting with people. Um, you can have that function and and, um, and that that can still be important even if you're not co-located. I was thinking um, listeners who are from a completely different field or different industry, um, when they would listen, they might uh, have heard of KPMG, of course, as it's one of the big four. But um, I was thinking, how much has KPMG uh, shaped your leadership style? Or do you feel you can unfold your leadership style in the way you want to? Or are there also certain limits to it that you feel sometimes or experience? So I do think that the culture at a big company very much affects the culture of a small team. That said, I think I, my team, especially because we are so international and the type of work we do is fairly unique, I think we do have our own uh, fairly unique culture. Um, and, you know, as the saying goes, culture eats strategy for lunch. <laughs> so I think culture is super important and uh, for a team. And I think I, I am able to do things my own way. That said, if the culture culture at the huge, bigger, bigger KPMG was not consistent with my leadership values, then it just wouldn't work. And I very much sort of look up to and respect the my my colleagues, my peers and those senior to me. And, and I think KPMG as a firm is committed to positive change and, you know, sort of um, leading by example and some of the things that are important to me. And so I think if I were not comfortable with the leadership culture, more broadly speaking here, it wouldn't work. But I still think you can have sort of your own unique culture um, within your own team. Yeah. yeah. A bit of both. <laughs> yeah. I was thinking maybe we could get a bit into like what that uh, leadership would be like. We talked about uh, honesty and transparency mm. in that aspect. Mm. What are other things that you uh, try to implement maybe even four years ago when you started uh, leading this mm. team? So I, yeah, I, I absolutely think that the honesty and transparency, which we spoke about before in the context of trust, that is probably my most important leadership principle. And we actually joke in my team about radical transparency or radical candor, where I am saying, I'm going to be very open with all of you about what the client said, what this other colleague said, um, how I think this is all going. I very much following the principle of praise in public and criticize in private. I don't think anyone needs even constructive criticism in front of everybody else. So, um, yeah. but transparency and open communication is probably my number one uh, guiding principle. Number two, I would say is leading by example and not asking anyone to do anything that I wouldn't also do. Uh, working late on a report, um, you know, a difficult conference call with a client, uh, setting an example for how we do things. A third principle, and this is related to the honesty one, but is slightly different, is admitting mistakes. Uh, yeah. We all make mistakes. We can only fix them if we admit them to each other. And I think that's also trust. If you Part of trust is knowing I'm going to be straight with you if something's gone wrong, and I expect the same from you, and then we can fix it together. A fourth 
thing, which is also related to trust. Oh, trust is going, is my red thread going through all of this is not micromanaging, trusting the team to get on, to get on with it. Um, I think that's, that's a very important being available for advice where needed, but really not being down in the weeds of every detail, because that's the only way everyone else can learn and grow. Those are my overarching principles, which I do very well some days and less well others, but it's, you have to try on all of these. Hmm. Boring. Um, just to move to a different uh, kind of area, I was thinking, how did you grow into that role of a leader as a woman? Because I think sometimes there can be this uh, misconception that, or I think it has been discussed a lot um, in the last years, when a woman puts her foot down, she might be perceived as bossy. I don't know. Have you come across those kind of, have you experienced something like that? Or how did you grow into the role of a leader as a woman? It's such an interesting topic and it is a very real topic. And I feel as if a sort of a woman with my sort of age and seniority who would say to you, oh, no, you know, there's no difference, that it's just not true. It is different. And and yes, absolutely. I've had that experience where I've thought I sound bossy. I sound shrill. A man would sound different saying this. And I also ask myself several times, uh, a week, frankly, would a man do this? And I think it's absolutely fine for, um, you know, I don't think we have to try to lead like men. I think women bring their own style to leadership. But I also feel I have to catch myself sometimes, for example, where there was something that I thought had been done, uh, had been sort of calculated in terms of the revenue that my team had generated that I thought was unfair and it early in my time here. And I complained about it. And then I found myself apologizing for that complaint. And then I thought, why am I apologizing? A man would never have apologized. So I, I do ask myself that, what would a man do? I also think the sort of um, the sort of literature that's shown that men are quicker to say that they can take on a job even if they don't have all the qualifications for it, whereas a woman would say, I can't take on that project or that job. I don't have these three out of the 10 requirements. I catch myself on that too and saying like, I can do this. I am just as capable. I'm very often the only woman in the room in meetings, both on our side and for our client side. I think that's a shame. Um, I feel I take my role as a my position as a role model for younger women at KPMG very seriously. I have three teenage sons. I know there are younger women at this firm who are looking I don't even mean up to me, but just looking to me to see how does she do this? How is she combining this uh, work with her family? And you could say that the men here are also combining work with family, but it is, I think it's different for a woman. I just do. I'm sure there are people who might argue with me on that. And that's great. Let's have a debate about that because it's so important. And I think it's so important for there to be more senior women that's here and at other firms like this, because that is looking like the world. That's what the world looks like. That's what our clients look like. Uh, so I, I think as much as I want to be, especially for the content of my work, just taken seriously as a very qualified professional and it shouldn't matter whether I'm a woman or not, in terms of the sort of work that we do, I think as a leader and as a senior leader here, it it does matter that I'm a woman. Yeah. It actually does in terms of signaling, in terms of what it means about diversity and the world taking women seriously. And, you know, I think it's I think it's super important. It's interesting that you're mm. saying that because I was in preparation of this interview. I was thinking about this point, too, that um 
in the first place I was just interested in you as a leader and um, in how you do things and then in the end um, I still got to know about you because you were holding a workshop for her space mm. a co-working space here in um, in Oslo focused on women and mothers and um, I was just thinking well the, it does play a role like we should at least we yeah. should we should talk it. a little about yeah. it yeah. and I have to say like of course on a personal level uh, me being a woman myself like I also think about those kind of topics maybe um, not in terms of having a similar position but I guess also just in personal life like how do you set certain boundaries or how do you um, I don't want to say set a sense of authority, but still sometimes realizing that um, you are being or you have been socialized uh, as a female, maybe in a way of uh, making sure that people are okay having this kind of, or me personally, just having this idea of wanting to harmonize situations and um, make people feel comfortable and good. It's a very good point. And that can be a woman's role as a mother. That can be a woman's role in yeah. a workplace. And it can, I can definitely sometimes feel myself not taking the tricky, challenging fight because I would rather that things were harmonious. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think that is almost part of my sort of DNA as a woman. I completely agree with you. And a little bit about the comfort zone point too, um, that I don't like there to be strife and arguments. And really sometimes you just do, it, it's work. It's This is yeah. not about how you resolve things in a family it's okay to say to have a difficult argument to make a strong point to say we're not going to do this this way I don't like how this was handled and maybe sometimes as women we don't we hesitate to do that again because of also we don't want to come across as sounding bossy or unpleasant and I can think of how that type of line would sound coming from a man and it just would land differently which is not fair but it's just true so mm. I do catch myself uh, I, I absolutely catch myself on that type of thing. I think there are aspects of me that are specific to me being a woman that bring good things to the workplace. And uh, and people joke about me being the sort of mom of the team. I definitely think there's a slightly matriarch role for me uh, in, in the broader group at KPMG right now, just because, frankly, age... <laughs> if nothing else, uh, but I think, which I think is good. But I think on the other hand, I, I want to be mindful. I want to be intentional about the things I do and, and catch myself. Uh, I have one young female colleague who's really wonderful about saying, don't say that, you know, don't, don't think that way uh, if it is something that feels gendered in a way that is a disadvantage for me or for our team. And I'm really grateful when she calls me out on that type of thing. Um, that's how we grow. So yeah. I also think that um, in terms of sort of boundaries, one of the classic things for a woman in the workplace, especially a working mothers, is this feeling of not doing anything well enough. Mm. And, and this sort of, oh, I'm not being a good enough mother or I'm not being a good enough professional. And I just don't feel that type of thing comes from my male colleagues. So oh, I'm not being a good enough dad or I'm not being, it's, women are hard <laughs> on themselves. We expect, we, we sort of expect ourselves to be, to, or, or hold ourselves to once. those high standards mm. yes and do everything at once and to say like you know what it's good enough I'm a good enough mother I'm a good enough professional uh and and sort of having that faith in yourself um I, I think women are harder on themselves than men are so hmm Yeah, it's really interesting. And also uh, what you were saying earlier about maybe sometimes realizing it is work. It is not to be taken 
personal on that level. And I think that is really healthy for leadership in general. <laughs> and I think Norway in general, in terms of for women to work, for work being work and not and being separate from home, I think Norway is so great. I feel so grateful as an American to be able to have this professional life here, which I think is you are able to have a reasonably healthy balance with the family life. But I do think sometimes we do, we do just have to remember this is work. And it can be very, you know, I'm passionate about my work. It's mm-hmm. I love it and I'm so devoted to my team but at the end of the day it's not the same as your family and so it's just a different context and it and I have to try to remember that when I'm hesitate to take on a sort of tough to grapple with a tough issue because I'm trying to keep things to be more harmonious this is not the same as as family life yeah And that's also something I was thinking about for this podcast or leadership as a social process that um, it might go into a direction or at least the people that I've interviewed, I've seen this trend of actually taking it away a bit from from making it about um, about persona in that mm-hmm. aspect but really looking at okay what is what is the issue that we are trying to solve here right now what kind of skills do we have mm-hmm. that one can be taken personally somebody has a personal <laughs> quality that is needed in this team um, but then moving about it together and it does not necessarily matter who brings in that point or um, is credited for it or also um, yeah on the other hand on the negative side like that there is no that that doesn't have to be a personal um, sh- shaming or if something doesn't go right, basically. And I, for me, that would be a vision where, um, yeah, leadership should move towards, I think. And part of that also is the confidence in your own ability. So when I, I feel very happy to let a colleague and someone in my team uh, present the report to a client, you know, take the, take that conversation because I trust them to do it, but also I don't need to do that all the time. I yeah. don't, I have a confidence enough in the team, but also in my own abilities that I don't feel. Yeah. So it's the thing of, do you feel threatened by someone else and their skills? Or are you sort of, I do what I bring, what I bring to the table. And I'm so glad that I have these other colleagues who bring what they bring. And specifically for my field of corporate intelligence, um, we, we, I have this saying that there's a sort of science to it and an art to it. And the science being the sort of very intricate, quite technical, challenging research, which to be honest, the younger members of my team are more gifted at than I am. Uh, and I'm not going to become that researcher. I'm at this point, the, the sort of art of corporate intelligence, which is sorting out the risks with clients, managing uh, human source inquiries is much more where my own background comes from. And I don't feel threatened by other colleagues being better at the technical aspects of what we do I'm thrilled <laughs> I'm very yeah. happy to leave it to them I trust them and and I think uh, that's that helps me to run this team well is that and no one in my team would also be like oh Christy why doesn't she know how to do this complicated technical thing that's okay I don't need to you know and sort of saying that we can all have our bring our strengths to the table um, I think that's another really important part of leadership yeah That's a great way to end it. Thank you so much, Christy. <laughs> Thank for you so much. Your time. I loved being part of this. Thanks, Helena. <laughs>